It's 6 p.m., and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns Friday. The catalytic converter is a car part that all gas-powered vehicles in California are required to have in order to meet our air quality standards. But thousands of vehicles have theirs stolen because of the part's valuable metals. The California Report explores the complicated and sometimes strenuous process that occurs after that theft takes place. Then, after a look at regional news and weather, KVMR's Al Stoller speaks with the authors of a scientific report about how plant life works to adapt to ever-changing conditions. We close with a commentary by Shirley Frerichs. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. California's record snowpack is starting to melt, and it might impact peak wildfire season. Cap Radio's Manola Sakaida has more. For some higher elevation parts of the state, excess snowpack from the winter might stick around longer than usual and help in reducing severe wildfire risks. But in lower elevation areas that dry out sooner, it's a different story. Zach Steele is a research scientist who studies changing wildfire patterns in California. When you have these wet winters, you get this pulse of vegetation growth. Think of you know the weeds in your yard. They really took off this year. Once those dry out and kind of get cured as the summer goes on, that's a lot of fuel that's ready to burn. As a result, he says we might see wildfires pop up in different areas than we've seen in recent years. That was Cap Radio's Manola Sakaida. We've been reporting on the financial difficulties California hospitals have been facing throughout the pandemic. But according to a new analysis by KFF Health News, many hospitals have actually been profitable in recent years. State data show California hospitals earned roughly $131 billion last year in patient revenue. That's a key indicator of profitability. Samantha Young is a senior correspondent for KFF Health News, and she says even when you factor in rising costs for labor and inflation, the industry still turned a profit of about $207 million. There are other hospitals that are facing cutbacks in services. They're saying they could close. And there's no question there are a sliver of the hospitals that are in California that are facing these challenges. On the flip side, You have some very large hospital systems in California that are sitting on a lot of wealth. Young says the California Hospital Association has been lobbying in Sacramento for a major bailout, saying one in five hospitals are at risk of closure. But some lawmakers are skeptical of a major bailout, calling for more transparency around hospitals' finances. The sound is unmistakable. This 2011 Prius is missing its catalytic converter. It's a part that all gas-powered vehicles in California are required to have in order to keep their exhaust up to our air quality standards. Thousands of cars like this one across LA have had theirs stolen because of the part's valuable precious metals. And these days, if your catalytic converter is stolen, you may be in for quite a saga because police, insurance, and repair shops are all overwhelmed. KCRW's Megan Jamerson takes it from here. Carrie Letterer has parked on the street in front of her bungalow in Santa Monica for 20 years without issue until... I got up to start my Prius 
and that obnoxious sound when you know you lose a muffler whereas the whole you know neighborhood looks out and i'm thinking what the when letterer called her insurance company she found her policy wouldn't cover the stolen part so it cost me you know a whopping 3 grand to get a new catalytic converter and of course it was recommended that i put a preventative shield on my vehicle uh, which i did in total, she paid 3500 bucks, including that metal shield which covers the catalytic converter. In theory, it's supposed to slow thieves down. All this work took about three weeks, which was a long time to be without a car. When Letterer got her car back, she also had the Santa Monica PD etch her license plate number on the catalytic converter for free, another deterrent. I'd like to tell you this is the end of Letterer's ordeal, but it's not. Two years later, it happened again. The thing is, Letterer's Prius is a popular target among thieves. That's because, as a hybrid, its catalytic converter has more precious metals than other vehicles. This time, Letterer had better insurance, so it only cost her a $500 deductible. When an insurance adjuster came out to inspect the car, Letterer had to ask. Are you just going to continue to keep paying this over and over? I mean, what if it's every two weeks? Letterer got her answer the hard way. Two weeks after she got the part replaced in February, the part was stolen for a third time. How does it make me feel angry, truthfully? Uh, you know, I feel like I did the right thing by buying a hybrid in the first place. <laughs> and now it's sought after for its precious metals. And, you know, and the fact that, that I'm in a situation and others are in a situation where, you know, we have no recourse to protect our vehicles, what do we do? I mean, really, we're, we're, we're between a rock and a hard place. Insurance companies really are paying out these claims every few weeks for customers like Letterer. State Farm told KCRW in 2019 they paid out $2 million in catalytic converter theft claims just in the state of California. Three years later, they paid $36 million. Letterer's insurance is paying for another catalytic converter, but now she faces a new problem. So many are being stolen that the part for her make and model is back ordered. So this is my British racing green bike, mountain bike, that I absolutely love riding around town. Three months into her wait for a replacement, Letterer finally got the call from Toyota. They have a part and she can bring her car home. She says it doesn't feel like a moment for celebrating. I'm seriously considering, you know, maybe I just don't even need a vehicle. Maybe I can just, you know, get by without one because I sure as heck don't want to spend $500 every two weeks. But with no end in sight to catalytic converter thefts, that is a real possibility. For The California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in Santa Monica. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Paint Care, now with more than 850 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport 
to help restore ocean health on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, May 31st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Mavi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the San Francisco Chronicle reports that the body of 21-year-old Jonathan Wynn, a Bay Area man who drowned after jumping off a dam over the weekend, has been recovered. The Butte County Sheriff's Office announced that it was found in the west branch of the Feather River early Sunday afternoon by search and rescue teams. According to Megan McMahon, spokesperson for the Sheriff's Office, he reportedly dove off of the Megalia Head Dam on Saturday, briefly resurfacing but then appearing to drown. The Megalia Head Dam is in the unincorporated community of Megalia, which is about six miles northeast of Paradise. After a search that included boats, dive equipment, helicopters, and drones, McMahon said that teams were still unable to locate Wynn on the day of the incident. A total of 16 search and rescue teams assisted, as well as more than a dozen staff members from Cal Fire of Butte County. The search continued Sunday, and Wynn's body was ultimately recovered at about 1.30 p.m., but it was unclear how far away his body was found from where he originally dove off of the dam. Officials have been urging people to avoid swimming and recreating in some of the state's most popular swimming holes because of dangerous water flows as a result of this year's historic snowpack. Waterways this season are running much higher, faster, and colder than usual, and as a result of those conditions, some areas are observing higher drowning rates. Just last week, Placer County Sheriff's Office officials said that they found the body of a Sacramento County resident who was swept to his death in the American River while swimming at the confluence. His body was found about 10 miles downstream from where he'd originally gone swimming with his friends a month prior. Authorities across Northern California are continuing to spread a simple message to promote public safety. Stay out, stay alive. Over the course of the next few days, Plumas National Forest firefighters will be conducting a prescribed burn in the challenge area on the Feather River Ranger District. Overall, approximately 152 acres are planned on three units for treatment between today and June 4th. It's predicted that ignitions may take up to four days, while smoke may be visible for an additional two to five days. Smoke is expected to be visible to nearby communities, including Forbestown, Challenge, Woodleaf, and Clipper Mills, but it's not likely to have significant long-term impacts. It may also be visible from all of Highway, the Lake Oroville area, and possibly the Valley. Firefighters will be monitoring conditions throughout the operation. That's all from Ubinet. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 52. Thursday, sunny with a high near 75. Thursday night, clear with a low around 53. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms before 8 p.m., mostly clear with a low around 36. Thursday, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m., mostly sunny with a high near 64. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 34. For the Truckee and Lake Tahoe area, the National Weather Service released a special weather statement. It reads as follows. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are expected again today area-wide, with a few locations possibly receiving heavy rainfall. Hazards include possible localized flash flooding, strong wind gusts, small hail, and frequent lightning. Any storms that form over area lakes could produce unsafe and choppy lake conditions. If you are outdoors today, keep your eyes on the sky. 
Head indoors if you hear thunder. If you can hear thunder, you are close enough to be struck by lightning. If you encounter flooded roads, do not drive your vehicle through them. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 55. Thursday, sunny with a high near 85. Thursday night, clear with a low around 56. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Despite their small size, microbes contribute to the general operation of the world in a pretty massive way. They help plant life adjust to a changing world. So what happens when plants are hit by conditions different than they were bred to withstand? And in what way do microbes act then? A report recently published in Science Journal looked to answer those questions. Up next, KVMR's Al Stoller speaks with its authors. Termites eat wood, but they cannot digest it. Termites depend on microbes in their gut to digest wood for them. You and I, pretty much everything alive, we too depend on microbes to do all sorts of work. Might not microbes, fungi and bacteria, help crop plants, crop trees, deal with uncomfortable weather? I spoke with Dr. Richard Lankow and Isabel George of the University of Wisconsin in Madison regarding a paper they'd written on that subject that was published in the journal Science last week. All kinds of organisms, plants, animals, humans, are living in this constant association with this diverse group of microbes. Those microbes really shape how an organism works, how it grows and develops. And so knowing that microbes could be changing how plants grow and develop, we were just curious whether we could use that, whether they could actually be involved in changing how plants respond to and tolerate stress. Plants, forests are under a lot of stress, and we're a bit worried about how quickly trees can respond to that stress. You know, trees don't move real fast. They also don't evolve very fast because they live so long. Microbes, some of them can get around the world very quickly, and they certainly can evolve quickly. And so they may be an important bridge for plants, a sort of unappreciated source of this expanded ability to tolerate a changing world. I wonder if you can give me some examples of how microbes help trees adapt. Plants are good at some things. They're great at making their own food from sunlight, but they're really bad at other things. They have real challenges. One of them is that they can't move. And so when they're in a bad spot, they can't just walk away. And so over the last 400 million years, plants have evolved to outsource a lot of their functions, a lot of their basic needs to microbes. So taking up nutrients from soil, like nitrogen and phosphorus, their roots aren't necessarily very good at at getting those on their own. How do the microbes help bring in the nutrients? Think about a root. They can look quite skinny to us, but compared to a fungal hyphae, they're actually much, much thicker than a fungal hyphae. Fungal hyphae are one cell thick. Meaning you'd have to put thousands of them side by side to span a single inch. So that's much skinnier than even the skinniest root. So they can get into places in soil that roots can't get to. And some fungi can produce enzymes that they can secrete into the soil that break down complex molecules, like decaying plant litter, and they can liberate the nutrients, the nitrogen and the phosphorus that's bound up in those molecules, and then feed those nutrients to their host plant. In other words, fungi predigest food for plants. That's something plants can't do on their own. The fungi actually enter 
the plant roots and they form this really close relationship with the plant cells inside of the roots. Um, so they have that really close relationship. It just creates a lot of interface between the fungal cell and the plant cell. They have special transport proteins in their membranes that will pump out phosphorus or nitrogen out of the fungal cell and then directly into the plant cell. There are uh, specific versions of these nitrogen and phosphorus transporters that are um, say regulated both by the plant and by the fungus. And in exchange, sugars will come out of the plant cell and go right into the fungal cell. What was most important to us was this phenomenon that no matter what kind of stress the plant was facing, it did better when it had access to microbes that had faced that stress before, whether that was drought or heat or cold. The mechanism behind each of those phenomenon is probably pretty different. It might be totally different within different plant species as well. So we were really focused on whether there was some general pattern that would rise above all that, that noise that could help us you know, make decisions about how we're going to restore forests in the future. I was curious, just how does a microbe enable a plant, a tree, to endure a stress such as heat or cold or drought? Now, just to try to understand what you're asking about the mechanism behind driving out of that, we're going to have to really focus in, you know, pick one or two plant species and um, particular microbes and sort of drill down like what chemicals being exchanged, what change is going on to the, the plant physiology. You know, that work has, has some value, but if we waited to know those answers, then we would probably lose our chance to act. That could take many years to understand. There are many decisions that have to be made, you know, now. We always have to have that balance of like, when do we know enough to act? And when do we now want to drill in and understand things at, at deeper and deeper levels? I've been speaking with Dr. Richard Lankow and Isabel George of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I'll have more on plants and microbes in symbiosis, living together to overcome stress in the very near future. For KVMR, I'm Al Stalin. Reducing plastic use, helping to clean up stray litter, and embracing reusable instead of single-use items whenever possible. These are just a few ways that Americans can help to keep our planet clean. Coming up, Nevada County local Shirley Frerichs brings a commentary focusing on World Environmental Day and the different ways that our country can work towards a greener future. World Environmental Day is the largest global platform for environmental public outreach. Led by the United Nations Environment Program, it has been held annually on June 5th since 1973. The science says we must keep the increase in global temperatures as compared to pre-industrial averages to below 1.5 Celsius this century, or 34.7 degrees Fahrenheit. That will take cutting in half the annual greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. That's only seven years from now. We have a lot of work to do. Without action, exposure to air pollution beyond safe guidelines is expected to increase by 50% within the decade. And plastic waste flowing into aquatic ecosystems will nearly triple by 2040. That's only 16 years from now. Go to www.worldenvironmentalday.global to see a very enlightening video and read some of their short reports on how we can turn off the plastic tap. Inger Anderson, director of the UN program to end plastic pollution at the Intergovernmental Negotiating Committee, is working to confirm a global plastic treaty. That is how urgent the situation is. She's focused on the need for the industry to redesign plastic especially food containers, so they are at least more recyclable and do not give off methane in the landfills. 
In California, we are fortunate to have a forward-looking government that understands how vital it is to reform into a circular economy and no longer a take-make-waste-pitch-it-in-a-landfill society. We have many new laws that will push this problem back to the industry that created it. Big changes coming in the next five to ten years. We, the public, can start now to reduce our purchasing of plastics as a way to say no. We can have fun researching the alternatives, going reuse and refill instead of buying yet another plastic container. We got to think before we buy. The United Nations asks each one of us and our governments at every level to take urgent action to address these pressing issues this year, 2023. Their most urgent call is to beat plastic pollution. Most of the pollution is single-use plastic people use in everyday lives. Think potato chip bags and plastic berry containers. That ends up in our Yuba River and other streams and in the oceans. Be aware that the cost of packaging is between 5 and 50% of the cost of an item. You can save money, too. In addition to the huge litter problem around the world, plastics slough off microplastics that are now showing up in our human bodies where they create endocrine disorders. Our health is at stake here as well. Do you know that cigarette filters are mostly microfibers that are inhaled into lungs? Two trash heroes in Nevada City pick up butts on the streets by the thousands so they do not get smashed by car tires and feet to go into our water supply and rivers. The plastic sent to landfills creates a potential greenhouse gas, methane, that increases global temperatures. Waste Not Nevada County is a main force behind reduction of plastic packaging locally. Currently working to get a new reduction of plastic foodware ordinance passed for the restaurants and takeouts. Grocery stores are putting way too many items in plastic containers. And it's okay for us to speak up to tell them that's not okay. Let's find alternatives or take our own containers to delis and takeout places. It's now a law that we can take our own containers. Reuse plastic bags if you cannot help but get them. Saying no to yet another polluting plastic bottle or bag is a big step for the environment. Yes, you can take these bottles to be recycled or returned for redemption to the waste management transfer station and the bags to rotary boxes located around town or Safeway so they will be reprocessed into a new item. It's best not to get them in the first place. Keep your reusable water bottle handy so you do not need to buy yet another water paddle. Look for ideas on Nevada County Climate Action Now website under Waste Not for recycling and reduction ideas. We're on a planet that has a problem. We need to wake up. We need to wise up. And we need to do it now. Scientists are telling us we have a finite number of years to turn things around. And we can do it. We can be good ancestors to leave a positive legacy. So when the young people of 2073 look back, they'll thank us for doing what we could to keep the world fruitful and beautiful for them. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding commentary are those of the speaker and not necessarily those of KVMR, its board, staff, volunteers, or underwriters. Want to make your voice heard? Go to kvmr.org and click on Commentary Guidelines under the News tab for more information. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, May 31st. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and from Alpine Aviation since 1990, offering business and personal airplane flights with personalized schedules and destinations. 
plus local area scenic flights. Located at the Nevada County Airport off Loma Rica Drive in Grass Valley. More information at flyalpine.com. And Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions. On Searles Avenue, Nevada City. Fourpawsac.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.